Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thanksgiving, or as we call it here in Canada, Thursday, November 24th. And I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Not too bad, though I've trapped myself in a rather vicious sleep cycle this week where uh, I get home from class, I like binge eat one meal, find myself in a food coma, and you can sort of tell by this video that there's not a lot of space in this apartment. I basically have a armchair, a bar stool, and a bed for sitting arrangements. Uh, and after eating, usually in the armchair, it just can only sit in it for so long. So I end up in the bed and then like the food coma and being in the bed means I pass out. And I find myself groggy somewhere between like five and six every day. This has been for the last week. And then like, I'm so out of it that if I want to get anything else done in the rest of the day, I need caffeine. So I either make myself some tea or some coffee, get whatever done. And then I can't fall asleep till almost like 1 a.m. And this leaves me tired enough that uh, come the next day, the same thing repeats over. Uh, it, it started this week and I haven't been able to not take a nap each day, today included, though I did cut out on the caffeine today. Mm. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, I guess I would say if we're in the U.S., you'd have plenty of time to sleep and eat uh, this week, but... Up here, we're just rocking and rolling. November is not the most exciting month because uh, we have Thanksgiving in October, and it's kind of just slog before the uh, the winter holiday season. Um, but I hope you can get back on track with yeah. the lack of sports tonight. We'll have a fresh max for Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I think the weekend should be the chance to do that, but that's also no structure, so... And it's a double-edged opportunity coming up. Yeah. I am feeling similarly. I got my booster yesterday and I've just Mm. been operating at like 90%. Just everything feels a little extra sensitive and I've got a small headache and you know how it is. Just feels like I'm battling something, which is what's going on. But luckily, uh, work was a little bit slower with everyone out of the office and I got to run uh, the football. NFL, I should say, in in the background, and yeah, had a, had myself a pretty good chill day, and I'm looking forward to talking about that football with you here as we kick into the podcast uh, with some football fan cave, of course, uh, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of tennis, uh, and and some talking hockey at the end here. Sounds like you're. Uh, we know your coworkers and bosses aren't listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, they know. My boss, uh, Thanksgiving's his favorite time of the year. Because it's it's the one day he knows everyone in the U.S. is taking the day off and we get to catch up on some stuff. So uh, I got some projects done today, little internal work. Just nice not having to pick up the phone. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, here we go. Thanksgiving football. Nothing better. And we got a doozy of a game to kick off the Thursday slate uh, between the Buffalo Bills returning back to their home field in Detroit. I mean, wait. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they had, oh, I was dying. They, they, someone made a graphic and they had to show it in the game in the first half, but I just laughed out loud when they just had a little plain emoji go 
back and forth between Buffalo and Detroit three times and just say what day of the week it happened. It's like, yeah, we get it. Buffalo played in Detroit last week, but you didn't have to make this whole graphic of a play just bouncing back and forth. Uh, Bills back in the, in the stadium they played at uh, just, just a couple days ago and honestly came out somewhat flat again in this one. Uh, Jamal Williams is a monster so far this season. I think he leads the league in touchdowns. He had his 13th. Uh, and then DeAndre Swift with some powerful runs as well. The Bills, though, able to hang in there. Um, that's the one thing about this team is, you know, they have the offensive firepower to compete with anyone. So it's just, are they able to manage to turn it on in time? And and they stay, they stay and they keep pace with the Detroit team who's hot, four wins in a row. They're playing really, really well. Uh, and then we get late into the game here uh, in, in the second half, and we get – a Josh Allen special late that that is able to keep the Bills in in the winning column and uh, another tough second year in a row feels like every year the Detroit Lions lose on Thanksgiving but two years in a row on a last second field goal uh, pretty crushing stuff and if you're a Detroit fan like if, it's kind of like being a Leafs fan where you could take pride that you maybe made a step forward but in the end you're still losing so <laughs> tough tough to to handle that one it's easy like hindsight's 2020 but i do feel like they kind of brought this one on themselves like that opportunity when it's third and one i didn't hate that they went for it on the like long pass i i think they'd like had a fourth and inches sneak earlier conventional wisdom run not a bad time to shake it up if you get the touchdown like you're in great position and if you're fourth and one you've you're, you've still got the opportunity. I think knowing, like hindsight 2020, knowing this team's cursed on the field goal returns, knowing a field goal is just going to tie it, uh, knowing Josh Allen just had a fantastic drive and that he's going to have time to work if you put the field goal in and tie it, I think they should have gone for it on the fourth and one or had two running plays, third and one, fourth and one to get it over and run more of the clock. Uh, they counted on a defense that had kind of fallen apart and they counted they bet against like one of the best last minute late game quarterbacks in the world right now so it, 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 i feel like they brought it on themselves especially buffalo having three timeouts left yes. with that amount on the clock yeah um, disappointing time management if you're a detroit fan and and weirdly enough uh you almost go back and there was a play where they didn't call a timeout for five or six yeah. seconds there uh, that they actually ended up getting the time back because of the review that that had them short and and claim they called the timeout earlier. You kind of wish now that time had actually run off the clock. Like you said, I don't mind them going for the knockout blow against the team that's they're punching up a weight class, but just a terrible throw by Jared Goff. Like he definitely had St. Brown open and and just couldn't put give him a chance. Obviously, hindsight there, you probably run the ball. Very similar to Russell Wilson in the game last week. I was talking about instead of taking the stack, throws the ball away. Uh, you save the Vegas 40 seconds. In this case, you save Buffalo a timeout. So they don't have to they don't have to burn one there with the incompletion. And then uh, we make jokes about it all the time, but Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes really are the main two. You can't give them any sort of time. Like we saw Patrick Mahomes, what was it, 18 seconds last year 
Uh, this one's 23. Tony Romo said four or five plays, depending on how you slice it. And really, they only needed one. Just ripped a throw over the middle to Stefan Diggs, who I don't know why you're not doubling him, but a, a fantastic little notch in the cap for Josh Allen there. And they get to enjoy the turkey at the end in a, in a nice moment with him, Diggs, and the kicker, all sharing a turkey leg. Uh, and that's what Thanksgiving football is all about. Detroit Lions losing in, in Turkey. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like he got eight yards on every first down those last two possessions and it was effortless and also I guess Diggs was kind of invisible the full, whole first half and third quarter as well which I didn't really catch happened last week as well uh where he wasn't getting the ball a ton so it's it's interesting he's one of the best receivers in the league yeah I'm surprised they're not getting him involved a little bit more often but playing dividends in those last two possessions there um maybe the presence a little more hidden Exactly. And and perhaps, you know, teams scheming for it. That's leaving other people down the field open. All right. Uh, moving along here to the afternoon game, still in process, uh, the Giants and the Cowboys. Now, after the performance last week from Dallas, everyone and their mother betting on this Dallas team, the Super Bowl talk back in full swing, very much like the other side of the Leafs coin. Lions are the the losers, I mean, Dallas loses a ton too, so they could be in that conversation, but this is the big media presence we talked about. Dallas getting all the love, all the talk, and they're laying an egg so far. And Dak Prescott is tarnishing what is one of the best defenses in the league right now. Uh, one of the best defensive seasons we're seeing by Micah Parsons. And uh, conversations have to be had, whether or not Dak is is the guy that can take Dallas out of the first round of the playoffs because he hasn't been able to do so. He's had a couple of years where he's put up a ton of numbers with some great weapons, but two picks in this first half and a must-win game against a division rival on on the biggest, most watched day of the year, really, besides the playoffs. Disappointing stuff so far from Dak, but we'll see if the if the Cowboys can get back into it. Also, they're running Elliott more after Pollard had a career week last week. So just interesting stuff from Dallas. And, and they seem to be regressing back down from how uh, high they had seen last week against Minnesota. All right, you got your Monday pick, right? The 49ers ran all over the Cardinals. So we'll call the last game of Thursday night, the Patriots-Vikings, uh, the one you're picking to continue this trend. Minnesota-New England, who you got? Every part of me wants to pick Minnesota, right? They're eight and two. Uh, they're, they've got some great offensive weapons. Their defense is solid enough that it's just going to give Mac Jones so much trouble, uh, who has just been dreadful all season. But Kirk Cousins in primetime, can't bet on it. You can't bet on it. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Patriots against my entire rationale and just on gut and basically just on Kirk Cousins throwing another dud in there. Uh, so we are going to go Patriots, and I'm sure I could get some good value on that right now if if, if the lines uh, are still open. All right, looking ahead to Sunday, pretty full slate. Max, big weekend overall. Uh, we've got we've got in in terms of the the football world, we've got Thursday Thanksgiving football. Uh, Saturday we've got Michigan Ohio State and the Auburn uh, uh, Alabama game, and then of course on Sunday a full NFL slate of games. And there's some decent ones to look at here, Cincinnati and Tennessee. Uh, this will be a good litmus test for a couple of like second-tier contenders underneath that Buffalo, Kansas City here there. Uh, teams that definitely have a shot to make a run to the Super Bowl, but 
will need some things to bounce their way and, and they get a good uh, size up against each other. Uh, Cincinnati obviously winning this game in the playoffs last year. So Tennessee looking for some revenge. Falcons and the Commanders, two teams that really know how to run the football. Uh, I could see this one being a bit of a points fest, surprisingly, even though the quarterback names don't jump off the screen at you. Uh, a couple of teams that do things in unique ways. So looking forward to this one on Sunday, Tampa Bay and Cleveland. Uh, this is the last week before Deshaun Watson arrives, but their season could be over. So look for Cleveland to kind of use the, the kitchen sink game uh, in this one with Jacoby Brissett uh, and try and throw everything out there. But Tampa Bay getting their mojo at back after the win in Germany. And I think their defense is just too solid and they've found something in white uh, uh, in the ground game. And I think they can just gash Cleveland that way. So expect this one to be a lot of running on both sides from teams. Short, quick game. Uh, Tom Brady undefeated since the divorce. <laughs> New Orleans, San Francisco, uh, two two teams with some big wins last week. But I think the 49ers are really starting to hit their potential. They love Jimmy Garoppolo, even though he hasn't been an elite quarterback for a couple of years now. But their defense is, is really, really solid. And... New Orleans, on their side, they beat the Rams rather handily, and they're only one and a half games back the Buccaneers, despite the dreadful season they've had so far. They're still in the race in the NFC South, but I think this is where their season kind of gets written off uh, by the 49ers. Rams and the Chiefs, this one would have been absolute prime time last year, uh, and this year it's like Chiefs got to be two touchdown favorites at this point like if it's not a blowout i will be shocked i think perkins might be in line to be the quarterback for the rams i don't even know who that is but uh yeah hammer the chiefs in this one and then the night game packers and eagles will be a fun one and after a poor performance against tennessee the the previous week can aaron Rodgers regain the spoiler mode uh that they showed against the cowboys and can they uh, get an upset win over this eagles team that has looked shaky the last two weeks with a loss and a, and a near victory. So really fun group, uh, group of games on Sunday that I can't wait to watch. And that's it for Football Fan Cave. We'll jump into basketball storylines here. And to kick us off, Ben Simmons back in Philadelphia. And didn't look terrible. He's been on the upswing the last four games. Yeah, starting to regain his form. A couple of great, solid performances heading into Philadelphia. Uh, and and I think the biggest thing, and I, it's been mentioned on other podcasts, but he had a back injury, right? And it probably takes a, a couple of weeks to get at least get into the mode of like, hey, I can I can bump and bruise and make heavy contact and put my body body in inf- interesting angles, and it's not going to be the pain that I'm used to experiencing. And it probably there's an adjustment period there, and it looks like. He's throwing himself on the floor. He's starting to play more physically, getting guys grills. And I think he's just feeling more comfortable with the back. And it's showing in his play. Just starting to dictate a little bit more, both offensively and defensively, picking guys up before half court, trying stuff in the post, like just being more aggressive in the post. And uh, shushing the crowd when he made a couple of free throws in Philly. When Ben Simmons has a snarl and has a fire under him, he is a top 20 player in this league. Mm. He was before before all of this crazy stuff happened. He, he could average a triple-double and lock down the other team's best player, right? And there's not too many guys who can say that. He's nowhere near that. And I wouldn't say if he was playing with a star, now he'd be a top-20 player. But you can see 
what the flashes were that made him a number one pick. And like, if he continues to play with that fire, he's going to be an immensely valuable asset for the Nets uh, as they try to turn their season around. It's not a 180. It's at least a 150, 160 so far. I don't think he'll ever be worth that max contract. Uh, I think he, when a player gets exposed and broken down without a serious effort put in by them to improve their game and adjust upon those weaknesses, I think there's really no overcoming that. And the, sh- the confidence is the first thing that really got exposed in that Atlanta series on uh, that infamous passing out of an open dunk opportunity. Uh, the free throws kind of secondary to that. And part of that upswing was he hit on the hack Ben. I can't remember which team it was against. He hit the free throws. Um, you mentioned he's taking the ball to the basket more aggressively. Saw that in the Raptors game, though who wouldn't take the ball aggressively to the basket against a G League team? Uh, yeah, I, not too much to take away from that one, I feel. I, I think a team with its like the top 10, top 15 defensive team in the league who are all on the same page, operating on a string, uh, will still not find it too cumbersome to shut him down and really benefit on him being there in the half-court offense. It's mostly in transition. He gets that threat. Defensively, seeing some chops improve for sure. I I just, I don't know. I, I think the best case for the Brooklyn Nets is still like this upswing continues and they can flip him for some value. I, I don't think he can take this team to the level that they want to be in. There's definitely been some huge mental health issues there and you never wish ill on a player. So seeing the improvements in confidence indicate uh, some return to health there. And that's certainly good news for everyone. Uh, his interview, like heading into that Philly game, gave me a chuckle. One of the interviewers was like, do you think after the time this passed, like it'll be that bad? And he's like, come on, man, it's Philly. Yeah. And, and you appreciate him giving those fans respect. Like, uh, you don't want to make any more enemies than you already have there. And maybe it even softens the blow if you give them their props. Uh, those Philly fans are no joke. Well, maybe if you play with a snarl, as you said, it's like that's the top tier level. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, winning solves everything, man. We've said mm-hmm. that for for the whole duration two years. of this podcast. We've said that for and, two years. Yeah. And, and even much beyond that uh, in our chats. And if, if he can perform at a high enough level for them to get more wins than losses and push out of a playing spot and into the playoff race, then all of this stuff that has plagued this team to the early start of the season is going to go away. Uh, and, and that's really in the end. Everything people care about is just winning. Until the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, at least they get a reprieve, right? All right. The other story i wanted to talk about just because i finally got to watch a little bit i'm planning on going to a game max uh-huh. in january uh a raptors game sacramento in la that's oh. uh, on the table on the table we're, we're looking at it you want to see the beam in person eh? ex- well it'll be at it'll be at whatever crypto.com arena oh, okay, okay yeah 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 but i am excited to see the beam team because i i Stayed up a little bit later to tune in and watch them play against the Grizzlies the other night. 
And this offense, which is now ranked number one in the league, is no joke. <laughs> they share the ball a ton. They shoot a ton of threes, which is always good for your offensive numbers, even if you don't make all of them, like the Celtics have seemingly done so far this year. It's just there's everyone can do something on this team. And even the guys who are more limited, they, they have them in the right spots. Just you always have the ball in the hands of Fox or Sabonis or Herter or Monk. And then you've got guys like Terrence Davis uh, and, and Shimizu Metu and just outside shooters. Harrison Barnes has not been great, but you know he's a reliable player on both ends. And Rashawn Holmes uh, is a great downhill presence for them. Uh, and they're just they're stitching things together and it looks really good. And they're coalescing and they're playing for something. Like there hasn't been a vibe in a Sacramento team like they've had now so far. And it's it's really fun to watch. And I'm I'm hoping I can snag some tickets if I if I'm headed down to LA uh, to see it because they play over the Martin Luther King weekend or into the week there and uh, yeah I, I'd love to see this team in person they just they share the ball and they have enough like individual creators it's not a team that has to rely on set plays um, that it's that's really really fun it it seems to be a winning formula when you have a young team with nothing really to prove, but at the same time, a chip on the shoulder and uh, something starts to gel. Like I think about the Grizzlies last year and it, it just seems to snowball. And then the what ifs and maybes and plausibles like solidify and become real. Uh, so Jamarant really needs to stop shit talking free throw shooters. Yeah, that was rough. That was a rough finish for the guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he'd telling Monk to to not miss. Monk obliges, and then Ja chokes on the free throws on the other end. Uh, tough. Memphis is it's interesting. They do not play defense first of all, so that was a good matchup for Sacramento. But uh, there was a point there where the Kings like stop memphis from scoring for a good stretch like three or four minutes even with jaw on the floor they were just making things difficult not letting him get ahead of steam and letting guys like clark and brooks take contested shots and um memphis i would say at this point it's got to be looking for like a three for one four for one trade they have so much talent why not coalesce it into a guy who can raise your ceiling i know bill simmons has mentioned like kevin durant being a team like that Memphis being a team in on Kevin Durant, I don't think Durant's leaving, but it's that type of thing, right? Where you're looking for maybe it's Bradley Beal or maybe it's Draymond Green if Golden State continues to go sideways. Like who's out there? Who's going to be the disgruntled star that's going to become available uh, that you can move on? Um, Memphis has got to be a team just perusing its options. Yeah, for sure. Um... It's like the way so many teams have had players return from injury or just have so much young talent that if you're not taking a step forward, you're regressing. And Memphis, it feels like sort of in that stage at this point in the season, but also just a re return to the mean after uh, over performing expectations. While I have that quote on the line, I want to touch briefly on the Mavericks. Um, I was kind of flipping back and forth between the Raptors-Nets and Mavericks-Celtics game. At first, I watched the first quarter of the Raptors-Nets game, 
and it seems like it wasn't even going to be a game through the first quarter. So I jump into the Celtics Mavericks, which I was really excited for that Luka Tatum matchup. And that was somehow even less of a game. Uh, this team needs Luka to do everything right now. And I'm so tempted to write them off. It, like, But the only thing holding me back is that the thing holding them back is like Bullock and Finney Smith and Hardaway Jr. And to some extent, Dinwiddie, though he can create his own shot off the dribble. So I would argue he's providing some offensive value for this team at the moment. Uh, they're just missing so many open looks that Luca's gravity is creating for them. And as depressing that as that is, the same way all Ben Simmons needed to do is get some confidence in his play. All this uh, Mavericks team needs is for these guys to hit their shots. And then defensively, they've not been great, but that was another thing where last season, I think around January, they just flipped a switch and became like a top five, top 10 defensive team in the league. So I'm another comparison I saw drawn that really intrigued me was uh, this team to the LeBron James first run in Cleveland, where LeBron was just raising the ceiling and dragging up the floor on this team so painfully uh, that they couldn't get the <laughs> draft the players they needed to support him uh, and some other issues with front office. But it, yeah, it, it was just a complete blowout by the Celtics in what should have been an amazing game between two top five players with each putting up monster performances. And that happened, but no point during the game was it close. And I'm seeing a lot of fury from Mavericks fans at this point in the season, though this kind of what we called about a team that would drag its way into the playoffs uh, with Luka pulling way too much weight. The other comparison I've seen is is the James Harden Houston Rockets before they brought in uh, Chris Paul, like just a guy who is an outstanding offensive player, but it's a very individual effort and a lot of guys standing around. Like it's one thing you can say about playing with Luca. However great he is, gotta not be the best thing ever to play with him if you're just standing uh, spacing for him. Right? There's not a lot of flow to their offense, and so. Harden's team got good when he brought in another creator rather than a big to fit with Luca. I think you can get the job done with any sort of big because he's going to find him. I think you got to look for another creator that's above the level of a Dinwiddie or a Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, like, yeah. 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 Dinwiddie definitely brought a boost to this team when they brought him in, but it was Brunson that uh, really took them over the edge and was so critical to the playoff success. And he really wanted to go play for the Knicks. So I don't. I don't think there was much the Mavericks could have done about letting him walk. Uh, but when that happens, you need to go out and recreate that because, yeah, I, um, that was a huge loss for them. Pretty fun uh, Knicks season so far. And if you look at the Western Conference, just finally before we move on to tennis here, the one seed and the 11th seed are separated by three games. So it's a wild, wild Western Conference. We're going to see plenty of more teams rise and fall as things move along. Uh, and I'm really excited to follow that. Tennis talk, Mr. Max. Yes, sir. The Davis Cup going on, trying to brand itself as the World Cup of Tennis. Uh, with the ATP being so dominant in almost all things tennis and this being kind of disconnected from it, I'm not sure how well that's going to go over. Nonetheless, 
um, it's underway. Canada's competing. They got the advancement over Germany today. Denis Shapovalov dropped the first match against Jan Leonard Struff, but Felix kept it us in it with a win over Oscar Ott, and then Shapo somewhat helping to redeem himself, playing alongside Vasek Pospisil in the doubles, and the two grinded it out after dropping the first set in the third. So Canada will move on to play Italy in the semifinals, who had a win over Team USA. On the other side of it, Croatia, who took out uh, the hometown Spaniards, who were of course missing world number one, Carlos Alcaraz, and they will play Team Australia. So yeah, with that all being in Europe, we should have the wrap up for that on Sunday. All right. I don't really want to talk hockey looking at this headline, but what have you got? Well, Leafs lose in overtime once again uh, to the Islanders. <laughs> what else is new there? But they come back uh, with half of their defense uh, incapacitated or just missing limbs. They go against the, of course, on-fire New Jersey Devils. Uh, a team that they pushed in over to overtime uh, just last week, and they somehow get a win. And many folks will say it was with some assistance from the officiating. Three disallowed goals for New Jersey in this one. Uh, fans throwing garbage onto the ice after the third had to be delayed. And I can't say I blame their frustration. Most people will argue that all three were the correct calls. I think some of them were 50-50, uh, but the Leafs, in however you slice it up, they get a win. They are 11-10 record-wise on the season and the fifth-best uh, points total in the league somehow. So at least the overtime losses count for something. I think they should probably move away. I, here's my suggestion is they get rid of the shootout. They do the three-on-three, five minutes overtime, and if there's nothing after that, it's a tie, and each team gets one point. Don't do the overtime loss point. It's either a win or a loss, and if you get to the end of overtime, you take the tie. Mm, no, I, I like the... Oh, I would be in favor of 10 minutes of three-on-three three and no shootout, and I don't know how you change a overtime loss versus a tie, but I... I think if you play 60 minutes of equal hockey, you should be rewarded for that. And unless the only equivalent to that is a five-on-five -five goal. Three-on-three -three goals are just too fluky, too easy um, to play 60 minutes of good hockey and then lose it in a three-on-three, -three, lose it in a shootout does not reflect the effort put in. And I like that the scoring system shows that. Now, wins a win, loss a loss. That's just, that's the way it is in every other sport. Why do we get a loser point in the NHL? Yeah, it's wrong. In, or yeah, I don't like it in the other sports. Yeah. No, uh, I say you go ten on ten, three or ten minute, three on three overtime, no offsides uh, or icings, <laughs> and you just open it up because that's the one uh... thing that I hate is is people just like possessing the puck all the way around. Just make it free and open. Let the teams figure it out. Try some new stuff. Uh, get it going and and then have the have the tie at the end um no loser point no loser point but this Leafs team they're gonna have to battle for a little bit here Morgan Riley Jordy Ben T 
TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, all on long-term injured reserve. Uh, <laughs> they did trade for Connor Timmons yesterday, and and he'll obviously jump up and play some minutes for this team. But yeah, they're running Mac Hollowell out there. They're gonna have to run Victor Mete out there at some points. So I hope uh, Sandine Lilligren ready for elevated roles and. Justin Hall is going to be top two guy as I know how much Leafs fans are excited for that. Uh, and, and this team is just going to have to continue to push through. Hopefully the uh, core four can just go on an offensive tear here for the next couple of weeks uh, to help support the withering back end. And uh, Sam Sonov should be progressing soon. So at least we'll have some competent net minding as well behind the, a weaker and depleted defensive core. Uh, but Hey, Again, Leafs somehow still in a decent spot at this point in the season. They'll make a run at some point as well. So they just need to tread water here while their guys get healthy. I know. I'm the way the season's gone so far. I'm expecting we get half our defensemen back and then the forwards start getting bit by the injury bug. It's kind of like trial by fire. Like, you know, those martial arts movies where, like, first you train without your eyes, then you train without your ears. Like, first we have to win without our goalies, then we have to win without our defense. Lastly, we'll have to win our, without our forwards. And then come playoff times, each individual part will be better for having to do that. Yeah. And they finally yeah. make it over the hump. Yeah. How's that? How do the martial art movies win? Champion <laughs> of the world. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell we're a little loopy from uh, lack of sleep and, and Pfizer booster. <laughs> so we'll, we'll call the sports talk for today. Uh, we've got a little bit more time to wrap up than, than usual, but um, just taking things down. I hope all of our friends south of the border have a fantastic Thanksgiving and ride it into the weekend. Things are supposed to warm up here just a tad um, and and looking forward to just keeping things rolling. I hope everyone started their holiday shopping. Always good to get a reminder out there. Yes, yes. Um, that's about it. It's been nothing but deathcore for me for the last few days on the music end. Oh, if you want to just shut your brain off and have like double pedals that go faster than you thought music possibly could uh, with rat noises for vocals that really are hiding some deep um painful amazing lyrics and just awesome shredding riffs then i'd check out pain remains by lorna shore it's awesome <laughs> uh, very very loopy sports next door signing out <laughs>